Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast network, the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. This is EdUp EdTech, dedicated to interviewing leaders at the front end of technology and innovation in education, hosted by the amazing, the outstanding, the incredible Holly Owens. Now let's get to it and hear from your host, Holly Owens. Hey guys, we all know how hard it is to onboard new software, especially CRM software. You know what I'm talking about. But you haven't checked out Element 451. You can get up and running and see return on your investment fast. Implementation isn't just another line item to worry about. It's included in Element's straightforward pricing. The onboarding is streamlined because Element knows higher ed and automates things other companies do manually, all without sacrificing customer service. And you'll be able to send out those acceptance letters within weeks. You don't have to outsource or wait on other departments for campaign content. Element comes with pre-written, professionally designed emails. It's an all-in-one, modular-based CRM system for your admissions department. If you want to increase yield, increase your enrollments, you got to check out Element 451 at element451.com. That's element451.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of EdUp EdTech. This is your host, Holly Owens, and I'm very excited today because we have another fellow all-star that is a part of the EdUp experience. He hosts the Schoolish Podcast, and joining us as a co-host today is Mike Yates. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Great. I'm so excited that you agreed to join me. Um, you're my first co-host. And it's going oh, to be special. wonderful. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation with our guest today, who is Alex Leader. He is the CEO and founder of Avisa Retention. So, Alex, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Holly. And Mike, great to meet you as well. Yes, we, we have yeah. a lot to talk about. Um, so, in getting started with things, Alex, we want to know more about you. We want to know, we're going to get into what a visa retention does, but we want to know how you jumped into this space, you know, ed tech, technology systems. So give us your background. Tell us your story. Yeah, yeah, certainly. be Very, very happy to. So good afternoon again. So let's, uh, maybe we'll just start way back, right? How this whole thing got started and really um, what I think is extremely important is how uh, the mission and the values got set really from an early age. So I, uh, I grew up an hour north of Columbus, Ohio, and our, our headquarters is located here in Columbus. Um, we, I still travel north quite a bit, but uh, I grew up again an hour north of Columbus and attended a very rural high school. And so I like to tell the story as there were really three cornfields around the high school. Um, of course, I was the road to get there. But the point of that is that as part of attending that high school, um, I was able to really excel through memorization. And what I mean by that is I was able to really memorize and regurgitate information um, to get me through the tests, and I did quite well. I also wanted to be an ophthalmologist, believe it or not. And so this will all dovetail into tech here in just a moment. Oh, this sounds like an interesting story. Yeah, yeah, it is. So I wanted to be an eye surgeon. And the reason is because I, I was born and had to have surgery on my eyes, and I, I thought it was 
tremendous how a doctor could effectively give back sight or give back normalcy to a person. And so I was on that pre-med track, and so you can start to see where this is going to go as we get into college. But I uh, applied to and attended a four-year university here in the state of Ohio, and very quickly in that first term, uh, I was on the pre-med track, and very, very quickly I realized, hey, I can't just memorize. I can't just memorize the information, much as I had done in high school, and regurgitated at test time. I, quite frankly, didn't know how to learn. And so I didn't know where to turn for help. I'm sure during the orientation process, at some point, they told me about the student services department and different support options that existed. But for whatever reason, I didn't um, identify with that coming into college. And so I struggled. Um, I'm a big believer that if you put in a lot of work, you'll eventually see the reward from that work. And I wasn't seeing it. So my solution was, hey, I'm going to study more. And I wasn't seeing that kind of return on the grades I was attaining and um, really the overall happiness and ability to progress within my chosen major. So I had to change uh, my major and I changed over to computer science for my sophomore year. And it was so incredibly enlightening. What I learned through that process was that there was a mentorship program, uh, not only for computer science um, uh, majors, but all majors. And I learned about the student services that existed that I just simply wasn't aware of as a freshman and got connected with the right individuals to really help support my growth through the next three years of college. So I graduated um, with a computer science degree. And for the first four years after that, um, I knew I wanted to give back in some way because that was really instilled in me within my values from a young age. But I, I didn't know how. So I had to go cut my teeth in the consulting um, environment for really about four or five years and then it led to me helping the Ohio Board of Regents as a consultant and so for those that aren't aware the Ohio Board of Regents here in Ohio is a coordinating body it's kind of like a governing body a little bit different uh, terminology there but a coordinating body that oversees the 36 institutions public institutions both two and four year here in the system and they wanted to build an e-transcript exchange system. And so I was fortunate enough that <clears throat> I was selected to help build out that system, essentially a, a centralized hub where institution A could send a transcript from their institution to institution B. And what was great about that is that it assured that the business rules that were defined at the, the state level were being applied on the admission side. So students were getting the credit that they deserved and the articulation agreements um, as that transcript flowed through were being annotated on that receiving data. And so that was wonderful and that really kind of sparked my interest in, hey, I can apply this technology background that I have into helping students get the credit that they deserve. And that was the way that I looked at it. Now, once we uh, built the centralized hub, there were nine institutions that I went out into the field and I helped get connected because uh, they had limited staff. Um, they didn't have the deep level of understanding that <clears throat> I happened to as part of that team working on the centralized uh, hub. And we got those nine institutions connected, but one of those institutions came to me after that and said, you understand our data really, really well from our ERP system. And so these are connections to 
the, the normal SIS providers, right? Your banner, your power campus, your yeah, all those fun little connections that make everything move in higher ed. Yep, exactly. And so I've over time gained some, I guess, interesting experience within those products. And so Marion Technical College here in Ohio, and also an hour north of Columbus, about 15 minutes from where I grew up, approached me and said, hey, let's build something together. Let's, at its core, in its most basic iteration, let's build out a, an email system that simply compares the data within the ERP system, looks at the students, well, what they call an academic plan, and then let's identify when students go off plan or register for a course that maybe they shouldn't be or start to fall behind, and then let's send the, their advisor an email so that engagement can happen. And so that was in 2010, 2011, we rolled out kind of the first iteration of that, and that's really where Aviso started. And what's even maybe more important to me is that the locality of that institution, again, is 15 minutes from where I grew up. And so many of uh, my peers within the high school that I graduated from have since had children and have gone through that institution or gone through North Central State, which is 15 minutes on the other side of where I grew up, and it's really kind of centered that purpose and that mission that we're able to really help promote student engagement, but also create outcomes that are so incredibly important for students that are coming from these, what I call, underserved communities. Wow, so that's that, how it got started. Wow, that's a great story. That's a great story. Um, <laughs> And Mike and I are both in education, you know, uh, he has a master's I saw in curriculum and instruction. So I know he has that mm -hmm. education background like I do. Yeah. And I was a transfer student. Right. So this transfer stuff is super important because transfer students are, they're left behind. They don't understand how things correlate when they're transferring from one institution to the other, that sort of thing. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely, I, de I definitely think that's like I, the way I think about this. And when I, when I actually found out about a visa and I started looking at it, is like I, I'm, a, I'm a former ed tech founder myself, um, and I, I helped to build a school that, like, we, we use technology in place of direct instruction. And the question is always like, how do you make it more equitable when we have somebody coming into this environment that we think is like amazing? from another environment that may not have been like that, that whole idea of like catching a transfer student up or like actually figuring out what they know and what they don't yeah. was a huge challenge for us. So this is like, I, I see something like, like a visa is like game changing. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah it definitely is game changing. And I, I feel like it was, it supports the students so much. And Alex, you bring in a lot of your, like your sense of community in that area and also your your previous experience, how you grew up and things that you impact, that, that impacted you. And now you're filling a gap somewhere. You didn't realize that this gap wasn't just happening to you, it was happening to other places too. Right, exactly, exactly. And I think that that's where the best solutions come from, are those personal experiences that, that you have and being able to try to translate that into something that can be shared amongst the masses. And so we're really excited to be doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that too. And um, you know what? I actually, Alex, you're the guest and Mike, you're the co-host, but I actually want to get both of your perspectives on this question. Since Mike, you have developed an egg tech company before. So I want to know how you both um, personally define the educational technology. 
Now this system of visa retention isn't the traditional educational technology that people normally think of when you're like picking up a device or you're using some sort of software in your computer, but how would you define that? So Alex, let's start with you. How do you personally define educational technology? And then Mike, I definitely wanna get your perspective on this as well. Yeah, that's a great question, Holly. And, and you're right. I think there are kind of two groups of what I would call education technology. There are, um, in the first group, you have uh, kind of self-service technology, if you will. And then in that second group, you have technology that's paired with the human element. And so I, I'll focus more on the second because I, I, that's how I define education technology. And more specifically, I, I see it as the intersection of what I call people, process, and technology, this perfect trifecta. And what I mean by that is that when we work with institutions that we're partnered with, um, it's so incredibly important that, that we're bringing to the table kind of best in breed approaches to how we're gonna engage students. And we're able to help refine and mold and work collaboratively, collaboratively with the institution to define a process. And that process, of course, rolls up to their strategic plan. And so I believe that the process is really the most important out of those three, of the people, process, and technology. Once you have that process pretty well defined, you can start to measure the outcomes of that process. And if the outcomes aren't what you think they should be or not where you want them to be, you can make changes to the process and remeasure. And that's so incredibly important. Once you understand that process and you've made some decisions as an institution, then you know the right people to plug into the process. You know the right technology to plug into the process, and the people in the technology are gonna help scale it and make it happen faster in the way that you want as an institution. And so there's the artificial intelligence side um, when you look at kind of that first group, as I mentioned, where it's just the technology play. But in our space, it's more of the artificial intelligence and the human intelligence and human intuition and the touch points that exist to really guide students through to a positive outcome, whatever that positive outcome is at an institution. So that's how I define it. That's and I knew I liked you, Alex. <laughs> I was like, I'm just absorbing all that, the trifecta and everything, everything. Yeah. But Mike, please tell us. No, I, was, I was over here like the amen corner. Um, like I was like I knew I knew this guy was awesome um yeah I so I think Alex did a great job sort of like giving a really good explanation of what ed tech is and I don't have anything extra about what ed tech is specifically but I, I love that uh Alex you talked about the focus on the human element because when people ask me that question like what is ed tech and I say well I can tell you what great ed tech is. And great ed tech is anything, any technology that maximizes more meaningful human moments in the classroom and in the learning process, like that's phenomenal ed tech. Um, if you think about like really good examples of something like Clever, um, Clever was, I mean, like Alex, you're 2010, so you're a little bit like, you know, Avizos before, like you're right, right there at the at the precipice at the beginning of, of ed tech, but uh, you know, Clever comes along and it all of a sudden makes these technologies accessible in schools where they weren't before. Um, and it makes it easy for students to log onto these technologies. It actually changed the quality of human interaction in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I tell, I, every time I get a chance to talk to Dan uh, Carroll from Clever, I tell him that I was like, dude, like you changed the way that, that students work. You think about Kahoot, right? Like Kahoot changed 
students' relationships with quizzes or studying, or it, it, cha it literally changed behavior. So when I think about great ed tech, I think it's, uh, I definitely think it makes more meaningful human moments. And I, I'll share this. I, I was talking to the founder of uh, something called Dent Education yesterday. Um, and uh, it's an extremely powerful organization. And Rajan Patel, who uh, he's a, a rock star in many ways, but he, he said this, and I want to share this as it's related. Um, he said, when you create things in the world that people use, it shares power. And I think that's the, I think that's the other thing uh, when I think about great ed tech is the ability to share power um, within the education ecosystem between teacher, student, parent, right? Stakeholder, all those stakeholders, I think it's the ability to share that power. Are you ready to reimagine your admissions and enrollment marketing? Wherever you are in the admissions CRM selection process, Element 451 is here to help you. Now, why check them out? Well, Element 451 empowers admissions and enrollment teams to work more efficiently as they develop stronger, more personalized engagements with prospective students. Their cloud-based admissions, marketing, and enrollment CRM platform is powerful, yet easy to use. Complicated systems are exactly that, complicated. At its core are two of the most important ingredients for working smarter, automation and analytics. At Element 451, you get enrollment experts, marketers, engineers, data magicians, and thought leaders with decades of experience working in higher ed and ed tech to help you streamline your systems for more effective and greater yield. Visit them at element451.com. That's element451.com. That's amazing. And I love how you both touch on the human element of that because I, I think in working with faculty members over the years or educators is they feel like technology is kind of replacing them, but it's not. It's just enhancing that human element of things and allowing people to do what they need to do with the systems and get it done. You know, there's transfer credits. I keep thinking about that. Like, I wish I would have known about this class and not have taken this class when I transferred to another institute. <coughs> just thinking about all that stuff and also helping the students who need the help, getting that alert about this student is, or the student getting the alert, the faculty getting the alert, the advisor getting the alert and letting the team work together to help the student to find the best support resources. So you guys are amazing. And I love both of your definitions of the ed tech. Um, and in moving along and let's focus back on, let's let's go back to Aviso here. And I really wanna highlight, Alex, what you do at Aviso. So describe for us and in, in usually this part of the podcast is where I say, try to give the audience a picture of what you do at a visa retention. So describe the products and the services that you offer that help these these institutions and organizations in education. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And it, it'll actually build on what we were just talking about. So, I mean, at our core here at Aviso, we, we really do focus on identifying student engagement opportunities. And so the way that we're doing that is kind of multifaceted, but at, at the end of the day, we're connecting students with people who can make a difference. And on our side, those are academic advisors and success coaches, and we'll talk more about both as we go, go through today, as well as faculty and, and financial aid and other, um, other supporting staff at the institution. And so really our, our overarching goal here as a company is to keep students enrolled 
and on path to that successful outcome. And you talked about transfer. Well, there's all sorts of different outcomes, right? There's, there's transfer, there's a certificate that's being earned, maybe a degree attainment. Um, each individual student and being able to uh, ensure that they reach that outcome is really what we're doing at our core at the highest level. From a policymaker perspective, and I touched on process earlier, but um, from the policymaker perspective and the leadership at the institutions, it's what's working and what's not. How can we create those engagement opportunities um, in a way that our, our staff who want to focus on that can be more successful? And so we do that in a different way. And if we want to paint that picture, what we do is with, with students um, within our platform, we're associating through the artificial intelligence what we call risk factors or risk levels with students. And so, for example, you may have a group of students um, divided into thirds. You have medium risk, low risk, and high risk. So yellow, green, and red within our solution, both from course completion perspective. So how likely is a student to um, have a positive outcome in each of their enrollments? And then also, how likely is the student to return next term? We call that persistence or term-to-term -term retention. And more recently, we've introduced what we call a, a degree attainment or a graduation model that predicts the likelihood of a student to really earn a degree as they come into the institution based upon all of this great history that's available within the data and the unique fingerprint of that institution. And so why this is all important is that at the end of the day, as you all kind of alluded to, from an advising perspective or from a student success perspective, our time as a student success professional is limited. We have to make choices with our time and where to spend it. Now, we, we aren't going to ignore any of those three groups, but what we do know from the data and what we've seen within our products and services is that if you focus on those medium risk students, and that's kind of our initial group that we prioritize, that's the group on the bubble where you can make the biggest impact with your time. We're just going to have a different strategy for high risk and for low risk. We're certainly not going to ignore them in any, any fashion, but we can automate so much of the interaction through our platform that it allows me as an advisor or a success coach to have those moments of engagement and make sure that I can address as many challenges as possible with the students. So that's our software platform and what it's doing. And then I alluded to it earlier, we do have a, a, an offering, a couple of different offerings around how do we build out process that supports that. And then we have a first year experience offering as well for partner institutions that are just getting started with us. And that's really a more intensive kind of an intrusive advising model, if you will, but a more intensive consulting type of arrangement where we're, we're pushing and they're pushing us and we're making sure that we get to certain points in terms of their goals throughout a 12 month period of time. All of that to ensure that we can uh, focus on the right students with our staff. So I hope that helps paint that picture a little bit it does it does it painted a picture for me for sure i don't know about you mike but it definitely painted a picture for me um yeah absolutely and i, I again i love the team aspect of it and the fact that we're anything that helps learners is like an a plus in my book and the other thing i was thinking about too is you had mentioned earlier about the underserved population so i i want to get into that so I know there's a lot of talk around equity um, and education and access and all those different things. So Alex, if you could talk to us a little bit about what Avizo is doing to, you know, help those population, the minorities, you know, whether they're transferring in or, you know, they need that extra assistance in higher education. What are, what are you doing for those learners? 
Yeah, yeah, certainly. I'm so excited to talk about this because we've got some some. I'm excited too. I should have asked this question earlier. I just said to myself, I'm like, why didn't I ask this earlier? <laughs> I'm glad you asked it though. This is this 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 is exciting because I saw that you guys said that you're an equity solution. I want to yeah. know about that. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I, I actually want to maybe speak to two different ways to look at underserved. Um, we, we there are underserved institutions, and there are underserved students. I want to make a separation there and we'll actually talk about uh, the underserved students first and so underserved students talk about equity um, we have been very privileged to partner with large consortiums of institutions um, in the state of north carolina and the first of that research that was done the first uh, project was with 10 institutions it was called first in the world and you may have heard about its department of education uh, grant that gets released um, every few years, and they pick a set of institutions to really test and validate ways to make significant change within higher ed. And so we had worked with Central Carolina Community College for many years in the North Carolina Community College system. And so we partnered with them for about four years prior to jointly applying as part of this First in the World effort. Uh, and they were awarded the grant, but with that came nine additional institutions. And why that's important is because the first in the world effort is really defined around how does the impact of a success coach assigned to a student lead to different outcomes. And so for these 10 institutions, it was a randomized controlled trial where a student is coming in, um, a first time student into the college, and they're getting put into one of two um, groups, if you will. The first is a group that receives a success coach. The second is a group that didn't so we received the status quo. And again, the hypothesis were, was that if a student is assigned a success coach, they will be more successful. Well, when we look at the results of what happened, and this was over four years and the results actually just came out in November. And what's even better about it is they were produced by a third party independent evaluator and researcher that was over top of and assigned by the federal government to this particular initiative. And again, this was all in the community college space. So what's great about this is that students who were assigned a coach were 4% more likely to stay enrolled for two academic years. Students who had the same coach for the duration of their time, the duration of the study, we saw a 12% increase in credential completion, which is off the chart and it really promotes what we've been talking about here, where the relationship matters and it matters significantly. Now, when we talk about equity. Now, male students who were assigned a success coach experienced an 8% increase in fall fall retention, as well as an 8% increase in credential completion. And then when we look at the black students that were part of the study, those that were assigned a coach had an 8% higher likelihood to remain enrolled, so fall to fall retention. And this is the number that is just astonishing. Black students who were assigned a coach had an 18% they were 18% more likely to remain enrolled for two academic years. So fall to second spring term. And so that number, the 18% is absolutely huge. I mean, you all are from the industry, so you know that we celebrate point increases, right? Or we celebrate- yes, those are significant to us. Not, not statistic wise, um, you know, if you're looking from a statistic per perspective, but those are very significant. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I was, I was gonna say huge. Like the, the cool thing about education, 
um, or really any field is that like the metrics that matter to you, they matter to you, period. Right. And I think like when I when I heard those numbers, I was like, wow. Like, so to put it in perspective, listening, yeah. like like those numbers are huge. They're a big, big deal. Yeah. And, and if I if I may add a little bit more context here. So what happened after First in the World is there was actually a secondary study spun off by the state of North Carolina and the North Carolina Community College System. And what they wanted and what their hypothesis was, what they wanted to prove was that if we assign success coaches to the minority male population, can we improve statistically, improve their rates for both course completion and persistence to be at or above the white male counterparts? And so we've got some initial data on that. You have the kind of the first iteration of that data and the gap is certainly closing. And when we look at persistence specifically, so term to term retention, the gap was 4% for this research study and or prior to the research study and now it's one percent so north carolina really wants to prove that if you put the focus and if you have the right process in place to support these populations that you can do it in the two-year community college space and they want to really be seen as a leader within the nation and then make this research available for all so it's a really really great initiative phenomenal man that's that's awesome yeah, yeah great. we're so excited and again we're, we're honored to be a part of it yeah and i alex you've told us so much in just a short amount of time and what you're doing is amazing and you know like i always say for our learners and one thing i do want to touch on a bit is um you know how has the pandemic impacted your company um so you know a lot of companies have said you know uh, i've talked to several ed tech users in the traditional sense, they say, oh, it's accelerated things. It's been great for us, you know, but other companies that are not so traditional, they've had to kind of pivot to different to different areas. Um, and then things started accelerating a bit. So talk to us about how um, the pandemic has impacted you. Yeah, great. And we're actually in, in the, the former group of what you described there. Yay. Yeah. So what, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, what we saw, and again, it's around engagement, right? And so you can imagine what happened last March where everyone was trying to figure out how do we engage our students in, in the pandemic and what's this going to look like short-term, mid-term, long-term. So what we actually saw in our data was the number of engagements grew. I mean, it was a 7X growth um, that happened almost overnight in terms of the platform. And so it really, it tested and proved that we could scale um, but what's most important here is that we were able to support the engagements um, that needed to happen, especially as the pandemic was kind of unfolding. I'll also add that um, one of the great things about the institutions that we work with and higher ed in general is that we have information sharing and we're all very open and transparent with that. And so we have our Aviso community here, which is a Slack channel um, made up of all of our institutional partners. And when the pandemic hit, they were sharing information about how they were navigating kind of those early weeks and months and seeing that and then allowing- No, Alex, I, I wanna stop you there and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that was the one positive that came out of the pandemic is those silos. Those silos and those walls for institutions, for people, I saw so much crowdsourcing stuff and people sharing information. like. It was like a, it was permission to share your resources and to help others. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Never seen this on this greatest scale before. Sorry, I, I just wanted yeah, to that's emphasize exactly, that. 
Yeah, and that's exactly what we saw too. Is I mean, we, we saw our Slack channels blowing up, the community blowing up, meaning blowing up in a great way, right? Where there was so much information sharing and so much, well, how are you approaching this? Or how are you approaching that? And then we were involved from our side as well. And um, we made some changes to the product kind of in those early weeks and months to help support and lower that barrier uh, to engagement so that we could ensure that the folks had the tools they needed to be successful and academic advisors and success coaches could make sure they were engaging with their students. Wonderful stuff. Um, yeah, really interesting. Yeah, I, I, you know, I just sit here and let you, let you keep talking. Alex, all day. <laughs> yeah. Like I tell all my guests, I don't know about you, Mike, but when I, when I record an episode, I'm like, I could just talk to you about this stuff all day long. I could literally, Seriously. it's like, it's so interesting to me. You, we know, we, you know, we go out and we research you, Alex, and we know, we figure out who you are, but when we talk to you, it's like a different, like, wow, I didn't realize there was so much there. So I'm happy to hear that you survived COVID and that you're, you're, you know, doing all the great things. Um, also, I wanted to ask you, um, in this space, how do you conquer some of the challenges that these students have that you're dealing with? Um, and how do you support the institution? So for example, I had a student in my class who um, had some mental health issues. Um, they had reached out to me and said, you know, where do I go for support? All those different things they're dealing with. Um, they're being a caretaker to their father, they're, they have kids, they have to keep a full-time job, and they're going to school. Mm -hmm. So how do, how do things that you do support those types of students and help them overcome some of those challenges? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And, and really kind of looping back into that second piece of, um, we talked about equity and underserved students, but if we talk about underserved institutions and making sure that institutions have the tooling available and the processes in place uh, to support students in need like you're describing, because the, the type of student that you're describing is the norm. Um, for those of us that went to a four-year university, it may not have been, but today with community colleges really being, in my opinion, the, the foundation of higher education, that is the typical student, what you're describing. They're trying to balance a lot of different things. And so from our perspective here to be so, we're building solutions for your, for your example specifically, where faculty can help you know, be our eyes and ears out in the field, if you will, from a student success perspective, where when you see something, you can either one, you'll have the tooling available to you to help support that student, and all that's available within our Viso platform, whether it's uh, resources that the student can use, but more importantly, um, if you wanna refer that student back to a success professional, their advisor or a counselor, uh, we have features and, and the platform is built for you to be able to easily do that so that you're involved in the success of that student, but you're also relying kind of on the village scenario, if you will. Um, you're relying on other staff to help guide and shepherd that student, whether that is the academic advisor, whether it's a counselor, whether it's the uh, success coach. But being able for you as a faculty member to quickly identify and refer that student to get help is really kind of what we do in a nutshell. Um, it's one of the inputs that leads into a prioritization scheme that we provide for advisors and success coaches within our platform. And then of course, from your perspective as a faculty member, you wanna always know that, hey, this is being dealt with and we're, we're closing the loop. So as action or work is taking place and those challenges of the student are being allevi alleviated, you're automatically being delivered back 
notifications through our platform so that you inherently know that, hey, John student who's in my class, they got help with challenge X, Y, and Z, and then you can keep an eye on John and make sure he's being successful. So yeah, we, we fill that void in, in that scenario to a T with what you described. I think that's great. And yeah. the, no longer are the students <clears throat> falling for, through the cracks or the students, they're not the number at the institution. They become, they have a purpose, they're human. They're trying to accomplish something. So you're giving them that support that they need to matriculate through the program. You know, college is is about so much more than just the classes you take. Um, it's about it's about the community. It's about um, being successful. About finding the career you want to get into. It, it there's a whole lot of different things that are a part of this ecosystem. So what you're doing is really again helping the learners, and I'm just so in, I'm just so intrigued by this platform and how you're you're incorporating all the different aspects of support into it yeah yeah thank you and, and yeah. again for the students you described they want to be self-service as well in cases where they're recognizing that they're trying to juggle and balance a lot of things so um, within our mobile app which we call the viso student um, all of that information is right at their fingertips at any point whether it's their success team whether it's the resources child care transportation um, whether that's offered by the institution or whether it's offered by the community and the locale where they uh, where they live, we're pulling all of that information that's so critical to be able to quickly find a solution to the challenge that they're facing. And so um, our mobile platform, we released it um, early in 2020. And of course, as the pandemic at the timing, um, I don't know if I want to say it couldn't have been better, but the timing was a yeah. lot. It's hard to say positive things about a pandemic. Right. But this space, right. It really helped. Yes. And the timing just happened to be aligned with with all of that to where students had the help they needed and they could do it on their mobile device. And they weren't seeing their faculty face to face um, as much as they were previously. So everything was aligned. And that's our goal at the end of the day is, again, to ensure that students have the right solutions and they can reach out and alleviate those challenges and engage with uh, with institutional staff when they get stuck. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting conversation, Alex. Like, and as, as we think, like, as we sort of like turn to talk about students, especially the pandemic, right? Like when the pandemic hit, like I was looking like, oh, this is it, this is the moment. Like, this is where we're gonna see the sort of like future of learning realized for students. I, I'm curious to know how you're thinking about like a viso, like, and what you're learning, creating a new future of learning, right? Like, like, what, what are you, what are you guys thinking about the future of learning and how that, how you're developing that through your platform? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a really great question. And just to frame it up with some, some statistics, um, I mean, I'm not certain if you're, you're aware of this, but in terms of two-year institutions uh, and four-year privates, I mean, we saw a drastic reduction in fall enrollment numbers. I mean, to the tune of oh, yeah. oh, 10 yeah. to 14% in the two-year space. But what's been really positive and really enlightening here, um, the spring enrollment numbers of our partner institutions have actually, in many cases, um, grown at a higher rate and actually exceeded the previous spring. And so I see that trend continuing um, as we go forward, especially in the two-year space, as it becomes a, a really great, viable option um, for students. 
And now they're starting to decide, well, hey, I can go do my first two years um, at a, a local community college and then transfer over to a four-year university versus having to potentially be on site or in a dorm for four years at a, at a university. So I just wanted to, to say that kind of as a lead-in, and I'm, I'm sure that echoes some of your, your uh, experience as well. Yeah, oh boy, do I wish I would have went to community college because <laughs> I was not a prepared student right. for a four-year institution. Yeah, I, same here. I, I just, and it, it was the, it's the attractiveness of the four-year institution and not that there's anything wrong with that because some people are prepared, but I was not, it took me a couple of years and I was in college for six years. I like you, Alex, I changed my major. Um, mm -hmm. I was initially a biology major and then mm -hmm. I got to organic chemistry and I was like, this is not happening. There's no way I'm going to be able, I just wanted to be a biology teacher. I didn't need to know all these different structures and formulas and all this stuff. I was like, oh, that it just had to change. And because of the way the courses were offered, I had to, now they probably could have, if they had something like a visa, they probably could have, you know, targeted me sooner, but they didn't. So I, I changed my major. Um, and because of the way the course schedule was offered, I had to wait a whole semester to start like the next major, you know, like the core mm -hmm. courses of the next one. So that's why it took me so long. It's not because I was dumb or, you know, I couldn't do the, the work. It's just the way that the course schedule was worked out. Right, exactly. And many students, um, that, that's the point in which they decide that, hey, I've got to drop out and go get a job, right, to support my family or to support some other things that are going on in my life. And um, Mike, to circle back around to kind of the, your question there on the future of learning. So that, that's a really interesting one. I think we all want to look into the crystal ball and say, hey, what's it look like in two years and in five years? What I do know, um, what I believe is that the expectation of students and how they're being engaged has forever changed with the pandemic. And so what, and you look in the opposite side of that, the type of skills that advisors and success coaches need has also changed more in the last year than it ever has. And even from the faculty perspective as well. So I think learning will continue to be, um, as we go forward in time, uh, the online option, I mean, we've all proved it even within our, our work lives, right? That everyone can work remotely. We've figured it out now. It was kind of that moment where we had no choice but to figure it out. And I think for students and for faculty and for institutions, they now have a really great handle on being able to deliver quality um, experiences to their, to their students going forward. And so um, as we look at kind of one year, two years out, I see an influx of enrollment specifically, um, specifically within the two-year space. And I think that that enrollment looks different where um, you're going to have more than 50% of it continue to be online or certainly in a hybrid format. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've had to convince faculty that online is a viable option in my different interactions throughout the years and 10 years in instructional design, but it's here to stay and it's not going anywhere. And in wrapping things up a bit, Alex, I want to know if we missed anything. We talked about a lot here on the episode, so I know the audience is probably taking copious notes as we're all talking, but did we miss anything Anything here? Is there anything else that you'd like to share about yourself or about Aviso for, um, for everyone to know? Yeah, yeah, maybe just as we, we wrap up here. Um, I, when we look at the last year and everything that's happened with COVID, I'm, I'm so incredibly um, excited about where higher education is going. Like we just talked about, 
uh, the changes that have been made almost it's almost forced us to make those changes and figure out new ways to deliver content or to deliver engagement experiences. Um, I'm so happy that higher ed responded as they always do, which is tremendous. And then for our internal team here, um, they're so incredibly passionate. Um, everyone here is. And so we're all on that same mission and we find the right people that have that, that same mission as I described earlier and the same similar values. Um, because what we're doing here in our belief again, is that institutions should be able to use products and services like ours, um, regardless of their size, regardless of where they're geographically located. We're building for every institution, not just that upper 20%. So when, we, when I say underserved institutions, um, I have a belief here that 70% of institutions here in the United States don't have the same level of access to tools like ours or other tooling they would make their lives easier and the student experience better. And so that's that's what we're here to do, is to pro provide that type of solution to ensure that students have, um, students have equity in what they're doing. They're able to progress and they're able to have the support that they need. Right, and that impacts everything within the institution. It does, yep. It trickles down to everything, so. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, got anything else for Alex before we wrap up? No, I, I just, I would love, just, I want to say thank you. I, I think it's one of the things that, um, you know, being sitting in the seat of a founder and um, as an educator and somebody who works with a lot of founders right now, um, I know that the work that you do is thankless and tireless. Um, and, you know, everybody, everybody can't always see what you see. Um, from the perspective of somebody who's like building solutions to change the way that we do school. So I, the, the, the last thing I want to leave you with Alex is like, thank you. Keep like, please keep doing what you're doing to create a, a big, bold, bright future of learning. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll make sure I pass that along to our team here. Cause it's not, yes, yes please. Thank you. And we can't thank you enough for your time today and coming to speak with us about visa retention and what you're doing to change the landscape of higher education. You're doing wonderful things and we all, we all know time is a scarce resource and we appreciate what you do, Alex. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, you're very welcome. So Holly and Mike, again, thank you for your all time for your time. It was great to be here and uh, I look forward to hearing the recording when it's available. Yes, and Mike, thank you for co-hosting today. You've been amazing. No problem, I'm, I'm excited. I jumped at the chance to co-host with some some Edda family. Um, yeah. We're really excited to be a part of the network. We're gonna do it again soon. All right, thank you. You've been listening to another episode of Ed Up Ed Tech with your host, Holly Owens. You can follow Holly on LinkedIn. You can also visit her website at jollyholly.me to find out more about what she's up to please head to Apple or wherever you download your podcast content and leave us a rating review. And please subscribe to be notified of future episodes. This has been another incredible episode of Ed Up Ed Tech with your host, Holly Owens.